I'm, I'm Tyreek. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with the flow. Max, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? I would like to plug looking down a lot while you're on a walk. Never see the sky. Just um, look at the walk and uh, find one piece of metal on your walk uh, and choose a piece of metal and pick it up and put it in your pocket. And if you see a second piece, you can't pick that up. But you can skip the first if you think there's going to be a better piece. Is this a metaphor? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yes. What is it a metaphor for? That's up to the listener. The listener must decide. Yeah. What is this meta for? Ooh. And Tyreek, if this, uh, wait, no. Uh, <laughs> how, does, how does this go? <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I'm Tyreek. I make games. Uh, one of them is Catacomb Kids. Uh, I also made an album called, uh, what's it called? Eunago. And uh, I will plug Looking Up at the Sky. Never looking down. Have no idea where you're going. Walk yeah. until there's a cliff. And then you'll find out there's a cliff and be probably sad for a few seconds. But have an interesting uh, and, and uh, uh, high-octane experience for a brief <laughs> period of time. I also plug uh, Tyreek's album. I've been, I recommend listening to it on a bus. It's, um, it's good lore. While looking at the piece of metal you found. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, and I pretend that Tyreek is uh like playing guitar and just kind of like uh sitting on the bus and just like saying the lore of the land it's good oh that's that's fun imagery (laughs) (laughs) i will also plug looking down at the ground (laughs) and picking things up (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's something that i actually kind of do a lot is just find random garbage that seems like usually it's like old toys i have like a little lego figurine a little minifig that I found just on the street one day. There's also like a dog toy next to me that I let my cats play with, but also mostly I play with it. Uh, yeah, finding random garbage, taking it home. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to plug going on a walk and looking at your phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the gate is guarded by three uh, people. One only looks down, one only looks up, <laughs> and one's just looking at their phone. <laughs> Are we ready to start on some topics? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Max, your topic is Nancy and having a continuous tone for 100 years. Uh, Yeah. So there's a very long running comic strip called Nancy. It's a newspaper comic. It itself started in about 1938, but it was uh, a a spinoff of an existing comic uh, called Fritzy Ritz. And Nancy was introduced in 1933 in Fritzy Ritz. Wait, sorry. I should just describe it really quick. Uh, Nancy is a little girl with like a round black spiky ball of hair, kind of witty and sarcastic uh, and slightly surreal. And it's just like uh, a lot of just gag a day kind of making quips at people and slightly strange things happening. It was a spinoff of this comic called Fritzy Ritz. Uh, And Nancy was so popular that she took over uh, Fritzy Ritz and Fritzy Ritz went away uh, and is occasionally featured in Nancy, but Nancy became the title character. And since Nancy actually like uh, was a pre-existing character that the inventor, author of Nancy, 
Ernie Bushmiller uh, made. Uh, she's been being drawn since 1922. So she is a comic character who's over 100 years old. And the tone of the jokes has stayed pretty much the same since. Uh, and it's gone through about like eight writers that we've known of. Uh, and they're like, it's fairly consistent in this like slightly surreal kind of snarky quips tone. Uh, when the latest author took over, some people were very angry that this millennial was taking over this classic newspaper comic. And they were like, it just sounds like internet shit posts. <laughs> uh, but then you look at the ones from like 1930 and they are also just internet shit posts. Um, and it's remarkable just like how well the tone has kept over time. Yeah. And also how I only did like a cursory uh, check, but like, there's no glaring, awful, problematic phases of Nancy. Nancy has been like pretty, has a pretty good record of just being wholesomely surreal for a hundred years. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting to me. Like, like not only when things can last that long, but like that they can in the first place is always kind of wild to me that something can be going on for that long. Like, it kind of reminds me, it kind of makes me think of like, like people I know who have friends that they met when they were in like kindergarten or something like that. It's kind of like the same sort of, it, it, it evokes the same sort of emotion in me. It was like, that's possible. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you maintain that? How have, how have things not fallen apart completely by this point? My, my grandma had that where uh, she lived to her nineties and uh, she was in pretty constant contact with her kindergarten class. Wow. Uh, and this is like starting in in the 1920s. Uh, and I was like, how do you even maintain that? Like, you just right. have to be very diligent, I guess, no, the whole time. They just time. have a discord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is kind of something that's interesting is like with these sorts of like, like you said, like Gagaday style comics and that sort of thing. Like, I guess usually when I when I think of stuff that, that ends up going for that long, like it tends to like accrue lore. You know, yeah, like it tends to like build build up a certain degree of 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 canon and that sort of thing. And I feel like it can be easy to get complicated or or and this is I feel like this is kind of kind of the reason I never really got into a lot of like the older sort of like superhero comics and stuff. Well, beyond the fact that superhero stuff doesn't generally appeal to me, but also like just the fact that there's like so much referential material in it it's like you have to know who these characters are in order to get it but with this uh this sort of like like gagaday type stuff it's like they're the same they don't change there's no lore the strips from like 1930 have the same characters behaving in the same ways as the characters from you know as they as they behave today which i guess like i, I i'm i'm kind of curious if the like how much the world of the comic itself has changed and if there are any like elements of canon like that or if it's just been kind of uh, avoided entirely just due to the nature of the of the of the strip you know yeah i'm not the most like studious nancy reader so there might be a lot of lore that i may be missing but like it doesn't seem that tightly woven it doesn't seem like the sort of uh like fan wiki dense thing that like superhero comics is it seems like that age has gone into like just making its own memes and like right there's certain formats of joke that have like been codified into its history 
right, right, right. Um, but yeah, it does seem like the characters are are like fairly simple archetypes, but they've been honed to a point in terms of like how they talk and like you can see what that character is from like any three lines that they say. Right. Yeah. It it sounds exhausting. It sounds like trying to write a new punchline to the same joke every day for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. What a meditative thing. Like there should be <laughs> uh monasteries for comics. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Oh man. They, I, I can think of a lot of comics that need to go on a silent retreat. i like the idea of like it's a three panel comic inscribed on this wall and it's like a buddhist koan where like there's no third panel and you have to like just consider what a third panel could be for this comic right and there's no real answer oh that's that's pretty great i i think the your goal on this silent retreat would be not to write the third panel but just to not have a punchline but laugh anyway yeah just find joy and humor in the most mundane setups mm, mm-hmm. oh there's a monastery for setup and then there's a different monastery for punchline oh they they, they double dip you gotta pay for both <laughs> <laughs> or there's a monastery for setup and they tell you there's a monastery for punchline and then you arrive and it's just an empty cliff and there's no <laughs> there's no second monastery <laughs> oh, oh, oh no disneyland burned down <laughs> punchline land <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to Punchline Land. I like the idea of that being like a DRM on something where it's like, oh yeah, you can freely download and it's all the punchlines, but uh, the the jokes are encrypted until you get the key. <laughs> well, it's like how game developers will open source their game, but you only get the source code. You don't. You need to actually purchase the game to get the data that it run that it reads. Hmm. Has that does that happen? Who does that? Uh, off the top of my head, that's how all the the id software games got open sourced. You mm. you you get all the source code, but like to run the game, you still need the data files from the commercial product. I I was always kind of curious how that worked. I never knew for sure because I knew that like 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 Doom and stuff is like open source, right? Yes, but- and Doom has the there's the shareware version of Doom that you can just you can run that in the open source code, so you don't need to buy anything, right? But I, I I feel like I remember like years ago hearing that it was open source, but also like I, like like you said like like you you still have to like there's there is a purchase monetizable aspect to it, and I never really understood how that worked. But right. that's interesting. So, huh. What what other media is that old? Some of the super com- hero comics, as you were saying, are like around that age too. But yeah, it's like it's interesting because for them, like their tone is what's changed so much and yeah, so they've evolved. Yeah, yeah. There's some like uh, movie series that aren't quite that old, but like there's like some direct to DVD different movie series and things uh, kind of across the world that are like that, where it's like the same actors playing these characters for like 50 movies. Oh, yeah. What was that? I don't know of this. There's like a British soap opera that's been running continuously, like literally every day for like 60 years. Wow, that's nuts! <laughs> like, there's several of those in Japan too, where like, uh, there's a bunch of soap operas that are like, yeah, that are daily, and then they, uh, okay, it's Coronation Street. It's been shown six times a week 
Oh, oh, wait, no, sorry. Originally broadcast twice weekly, but then six times a week in 20, starting in 2017. Apparently, originally it was only twice a week, but since 1960. Wow. Uh, 10,849 episodes. Jeez, <laughs> How long are the episodes? Uh, 60 to 30 minutes, according to this. Wow. Uh, there's there's a Japanese soap opera that's every morning, but it's only five minute episodes. Oh, but little bite sized stories. Like that's actually yeah. that. Well, okay, I was gonna say that's like a uh, newspaper comic sized, but newspaper comic would be like ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, but like feels like an equivalent. Yeah, they both feel bite sized. Yeah, there's a a Japanese series of movies called uh, the Torasan movies, and they're like this traveling salesman just going around being charming and i think there's like 50 of those movies and it, it ran for like uh i think from the 50s to the 80s so not as not as long but you do see the characters all like age in real time uh of course right over all of these movies yeah well there was a um a documentary series i think it's still going uh it started with a movie called seven up and it was about seven year olds it was. It followed the. It followed the the life of uh, the series. Follows the life of uh, a number of. I guess I, they started as kids, but they're not kids anymore. They're up to sixty three up now. That was the last movie was in twenty nineteen. Wow, wow, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's following the life of a bunch of um, British people. I was gonna say British kids, but they're not. They're no longer kids. Aren't they sort of? Uh, yeah they're all they're all still the kids we met in 1964 (laughs) yeah sorry i got fully distracted uh reading the wikipedia page for uh coronation street (laughs) (laughs) listeners pause your podcast and read the wikipedia page (laughs) read along with us just like like it's it's wild to me like that that something can go on for that long especially like I, like not that something can go on for that long but like specifically like with the same actors and that sort of thing like tv shows that even go for like like 10 years for with the same actors and like 15 years and that sort of thing is wild to me cuz like it's so much of your life like yep even something like south park Mm. which is, I don't know, I guess it's like 30 years old now, something like that, mm. like 25, 30 years. Is that still going? I'm Well, I geez, I guess I don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. it started in 1999, 25 seasons. Uh, is It is an American adult animated sitcom. <laughs> I, love, I love the tense on Wikipedia so much. <laughs> yeah, it's so meaningful. Yeah, um, it really feels like that show started like it. It, it it's kept the tone for the all twenty five mm. seasons uh, because that's like that's what people are tuning in for is this particular show. But like, it feels like a show that was conceived by like asshole college students and presumably the creators have grown up since then and are no longer asshole college students, but they have to keep writing this show. Yeah, it sounds like they've grown up i you know i don't know them personally but it sounds like they've grown up into a different type of asshole but maybe you just that's kind of what i was gonna say (laughs) yeah that's fair (laughs) that's fair but also like if you get locked into this sort of thing you barely have the chance to grow up yeah that's what i was gonna say is like i feel like like people who find success early like just kind of become that person because that's the kind of person that they became successful as you know yeah yeah what an unfortunate thing like yeah 
if you're just as successful as a college asshole and then you just like stay that way right because there's there's no incentive to change hey hey being this college asshole is what made me successful why stop there's yeah. nothing more to learn. <laughs> like, <laughs> and oh, by the way, I checked in the so the Torasan movies. I forgot that their their series title is uh, Otoko wa Tsuraeyo, which is it's tough being a man. And there is fifty of these movies uh, made between 1969 and 1995. It's a lot. That is a lot. That's too much. Yeah, it's the uh, Guinness Book of World Records longest running movie series starring a single actor he should retire uh, he did by uh he passed away oh, <laughs> oh retire oh no that's now i feel that's bad. retiring now in I, a way i feel like i killed him yeah that's that's the 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 blade runner as, uh, aspect of retiring yeah right not quite as t- long a timeline but just like web comics have a very short like they're most often made by one person and some of them go for like tens of years so far. Yeah, like what I'm trying to think of like the very earliest webcomic started in what, like 1997. Like I remember reading user-friendly in that era. Mm, yeah. So like the, the oldest a webcomic could be is like 25 years. Yeah. I feel like the long running ones that uh, I still know of that are, are like still still going strong are like 15 years about going. That seems right, yeah. But a lot of those do change tone a lot. And they change like art as people get better because it's yeah all self-published. And for the most part, I feel like a lot of early webcomic ones were like, if you had the skill to set up a website and you had the skill to... Uh, like, Not even draw, but just like upload images. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you yeah. understood how to <laughs> upload images, that was more the gate, like the threshold than actually any sort of drawing or narrative. Uh, right plan like you don't need to be actually good at storytelling or art you just need to have the will to to produce something yeah and it's not a huge ask for someone to like read your webcomic if it's just yeah a single page if they're reading along as you write it right right yeah 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 if they're if they're caught up it's like 30 seconds a day yeah uh and it's nice ritual i i love uh checking my daily comics but then the ask becomes longer and longer and the initial art stays uh, less good while the present art looks uh, increasingly better. Right. For, for people who come to it later. Yeah. 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 That's always like the classic thing if you're trying to rep- like recommend a webcomic to someone and it's like it, it starts not looking good, but it will get good. Also, you won't notice when it gets good because it gets good very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> User friendly only went, ran for 13 years. Ah, chump change. Oh, but Penny Arcade <laughs> is started in 1998 and it's still going. Is it still going? Wow. I haven't thought about that in a very long time. It's been a while. I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, uh, I think, Order of, it looks like Order of the Stick started in 2003. So that's been 10, no, 20, 20 years. Dag yeah, on. that's intense. This, this, this comic started out as mostly just like similar kind of like gag a day type thing. And now it's like evolved into like this epic like story arc kind of like you know character development you know and and like all these different characters and stuff like that and they've changed over time and that sort of thing but it started out just like you know each each upload is just its own little separate little joke essentially right but the art style has refined but they're still stick figures mostly (laughs) (laughs) 
because it's in the title. You can't you can't call it Order of the Stick and then then you know change away from that. But you know they've gotten a lot more consistent about like proportions of, of <laughs> limbs and stuff like that. I've been bothered by that with local restaurants a few times where they have a street name in the name of their restaurant and then they move mm. or they have a second location. Oh, no. Yeah. Like there's a Poke stop on 45th uh, and they opened one uh, on Madison Street, not on 45th. I'm like, Well, they should call it Poke me. stop on Madison. I know. I know. <laughs> if you keep the if you keep the same like visual motifs, I'm sure people are going to, you know, make the connection. Right. There was one. There is one that I really respect here, which is uh, Cherry Street Coffee, uh, and they had four locations along Cherry Street. Which I'm like, yeah, good. And they just <laughs> refused to open one anywhere else. No, yeah. ma- no matter how little sense it made, you just keep dominating this one street. <laughs> or I like the idea that that like maybe somewhere there's like a, a, a Cherry Lane, and they're like, okay, we can do this one. <laughs> or they like. They uh, bribe city officials to, like, change more streets to be called Cherry Street. <laughs> yeah. Right. Until every street in the city is just named Cherry. Yeah. You're going to go down Cherry, make a left on Cherry, till you hit Cherry. Turn left at the Cherry Tree. Yeah. Real Life Comics has been going since 1999. Oh, wow. And that one's interesting. There's, like, I, I feel like I know of maybe three long-running comics where it was, like, encompassed the author's... Uh, like gender transition mm. and it was like semi-autobiographical which is it's an interesting thing when, when it's like but I feel like in a broader way a lot of comics have gone from like yeah gag a day semi-autobiographical and it's like a tech dude in his 20s and then uh, becoming something more in that person's life and then, right like the someone the kind of person who knows how to upload an image to the internet and then yeah. that person becomes something else. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Tariq, your topic is recommendations. Yeah. I like them. I like getting them and I like giving them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I had known this, I would have felt a lot less nervous about sending you a bunch of 80s music to listen to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I, I operate under the assumption that recommendations are violence. Like, I, I am I am like impinging on your time by telling you you know you listen to this instead of what you want to listen to. See, I, f- I feel like maybe a few years ago I would have felt like that. Not quite violence that seems a little extreme, but like in terms of it being like an inconvenience or whatever of just being like oh you know I like what I like. You don't have to tell me to like a new thing, right? Um, but uh, just I think and this is something that I think has has kind of changed just over the past like few years. Of just like years, a few years ago, I was talking to a fellow topic lord Avery, and uh, he uh, like recommended to me like a bunch of podcasts or whatever. And I think that was like the first time that anybody had like just given me a list of stuff to check out, and it all sounded relatively interesting. And I was like, sure, maybe I actually will follow up and check out these things. And a lot of them were very good, and I still listen to uh, to this day. And I think that w- that kind of like made me realize like. Up until that point, whenever anybody had recommended me something, I would, you know, kind of nod along and be like, oh, that sounds cool, and then never follow up on it. <laughs> or right. like, you know, just just kind of, you know, just be, be politely accept it and then, and then do nothing about it. Uh, but more recently, I've been trying to make an actual effort, like when somebody recommends me something to actually like 
pursue it and seek it out and see whether it is something that I like or not. And more often than not, because I tend to get recommendations from, you know, people I know and who know me, it, it more often than not ends up being cool stuff that I end up liking quite a lot. Recently, when I, you know, when all the whole uh, uh, Twitter debacle uh, was was going on and it seemed like maybe the website would stop existing imminently, I kind of realized that the uh, uh, one, one of the functions that I use Twitter for that I would miss if it stopped existing is getting recommendations for things, uh, specifically like music. Because uh, uh, I remember a while ago, I was just kind of in a rut of listening to the same thing over and over again. And I took to Twitter and j- just like, spoke into the void hey people send me music to listen to and a bunch of people responded and i didn't like it all but there was like a sizable enough chunk of stuff in there that of of music recommendations that i really really enjoyed and ended up like they you know still listening to um that it's like become a, a a source of comfort knowing that at any point i can speak into the void and be shaken from a rut, you know? Yeah. And you don't think you can do this on like the Fediverse, for example? I feel like I'm not um, integrated there enough, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, I don't I don't have as big of a following or followering, you know? You ran mm. a Kickstarter, right? I did, yeah. You can send a message to your Kickstarter backers asking for music recommendations. Oh. I don't want to make them <laughs> mad. I still haven't finished the game that they backed. <laughs> are, are, are I, you, do they get mad? Like, is that is that a thing that... I haven't checked in with them for quite some time, and I'm kind of avoiding it. <laughs> Jim, your Kickstarter, I yeah. feel like it was tactically the least capable. Like, you, you prepared people for, like, to not get mad at you. The best of any Kickstarter I've ever seen. I feel like. <laughs> so, like, if you don't see it, that's what you paid for. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. And yet, I still got people asking for refunds because it had been too long. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's just kind of a, a an area that I don't want to poke that much for fear the angry bees will come out uh, who have who have thus far been sleeping. You have been shipping updates continuously for since you launched the Kickstarter, as far as I can tell. So, like, yeah. I don't know, how, I don't know what they would have to complain about. It's not done yet. <laughs> okay, but that's. I mean, what is done for a game like that? You could keep updating forever. If I if I hadn't given specifics, that would be a great excuse. But I did give specifics. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pull a frog fractions and say you won't. You won't know what it is when it's done, and it could be anywhere. I said this is what it's going to be when it's done, and here are the things it is going to have. It's going to have seven seven weapons and twelve enemies. <laughs> <laughs> what I we don't have to get too much into this, but like what. What are the big specifics that cause it to like? Four environments at the very least. I'm working on the third one. Six player classes. I have, how many do I have done? I have four done. So I have two two more to create. Wow, my brain thought you had six. So I feel like emotionally you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- those are kind of the, the kind of the big, big ones is just like the, the, the new environment and then, you know, wrapping it up with like a final boss and that sort of thing. 
but but I think the thing the thing the main things that I promised were like four environments and you know final boss and and also like as as Jim mentioned because I've been updating the game fairly regularly there have been placeholder things in for quite a long time that people can just go and see and they'll like you get to a certain point of the game and it's like this isn't done yet and I feel like having that there is kind of an implicit promise that eventually something will exist there. And so I can't like introduce a void that said that it's a big sign that says unfinished and then later on, like take down the sign, but not put anything in there and just leave it unfinished because people will be like, well, you said there was going to be something there and now there's nothing there. There's less than there was before, which was a sign that said unfinished. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So according to this, uh, you you were going to take eight months to finish the game. I was going to take eight months. I was going to take eight months. And it's been 10 years, so I'm <laughs> doing pretty good. I mean, that's another great thing about the kind of games, like the kind of games that Frog Fractions were, was that scope is so malleable mm. for those games. Yeah. Yeah. I am so sorry. I empathize uh, a significant amount with that kind of struggle. This this brings us back to the topic of taking 100 years to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they promised that us continuous Nancy tone. in 1922. <laughs> yep. And they've been delivering Nancy continuously. Yeah. Even past the original author's death. Even past the third author's death. Oh, I need to find a successor. Do I need to find a successor? <laughs> oh, I don't like thinking about that. You just let your cat do it. <laughs> the children uh the children of your of your Kickstarter backers. Actually, this is maybe a little more relevant than I realized when I first brought it up kind of jokingly, but like going back to the idea of like keeping a continuous tone on something that you work on for a very long time. Yeah. Me working on Catacomb Kids for this long, like my taste in games has changed. Mm. Like oh, yeah. the and 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 my and my my skill set has changed and the things that I enjoy doing have kind of changed. And so it's kind of like, I still enjoy working on catacomb kids and I still enjoy playing it, but it's not the game that I would have made if I had started on it today. I would have, you know, I, if, if, if I start on a, you know, if I, if I was like completely done with catacomb kids tomorrow and like started on a new game, it would be nothing like it, you know, mm-hmm. just because I'm a different person and I want to make different things, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so it's 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 been a little bit challenging trying to balance that with maintaining the expectations that I have already set with regards to what the game is and wants to be. Mm. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, I backed Catacomb Kids. I I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> right, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> I'm I'm well, the reason that I mentioned that is that it's, it asks me, how do you feel about this project so far? Your response may be shared anonymously with this creator. I'm going to click oh. happy face because I'm <laughs> I'm pleased. Oh, man. Can I back it now just to add a happy face to your... Uh, I think it's a little too late. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can mark it as received. I've definitely... Like, I've got it on Steam. I will mark it as received. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, working within the like framework of of past you is is such a challenge. And like, I was working uh, in a a lab on a project for a long time, and uh, even even just like the aspect of like dealing with your own file names from six years ago is uh, ridiculous, and just like <laughs> all the levels of oh yeah, 
Yeah. I've also gotten a lot better at coding in general. And so now a lot of times I'll like, there'll be like a bug related to some old thing that I haven't touched in like five years. And I'll go back to it and be like, what, what was I doing? I don't, why did I do it this way? Yeah. <laughs> because, I didn't, because I didn't know there was a better way to do things. And it's like, just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that. The disadvantage that you have over webcomics is like the, the front of a webcomic, there's an understanding of why that and, uh, looks uh less well drawn but it's like they're not approaching the thing you did first first in catacomb well, kids and and also <laughs> like with a with a webcomic the new pages you draw aren't technically contingent upon the old pages you drew right yeah <laughs> like i can i can change my drawing style and draw on a new style and the fact that i had previously drawn worse isn't going to break the website <laughs> <laughs> Every page has to be a collage of previous pages. I've, I've, that's kind of how like pixel art comics work. I think for the most part yeah. is like like the, like people will do uh, comics and pixel art, or, or like but, but they'll like make sprites for the characters and then they'll just like reuse those sprites for for you know every future page and, uh, until yeah. they need a new pose and then they can like make a new pose and that sort of thing. Oh, that reminds me, how long has Pokey the Penguin been a thing? <laughs> is that still going on? I know they took a. A long hiatus, but I think they have been updating recently. I just want to say, Tyreek, I feel like I only played Catacomb Kids for the first time relatively recently. I think like last year. And Mm -hmm. it was a very positive experience, like opening that game and the interface and the characters and the the sound. It's all really stellar. It's, It's a very positive experience. Oh, cool. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, no pressure to make the rest of the game live up. <laughs> <laughs> Pokey the Penguin also started in 1998, and it is updated sporadically. So Sporadically. Well, the copyright on the page says 2023. <laughs> <laughs> no one finishes video games, so I feel like you shouldn't be obligated to finish it. That's, that's true. Yeah. No one. It's extremely rare to finish a video game. Yeah. Almost unheard of, in fact. I have a, a whole stack of thoughts in terms of like, video endings being not very important to video games and like some of my favorite video games i have not oh you mean people who play video games don't finish video games oh well yes it, I, I thought you meant nobody <laughs> i thought you meant like no no person has ever created a video yeah game. i mean i was <laughs> i was i was going for like a joke of like meaning both at once uh. <laughs> assuming that's what max was also doing i could be wrong uh yeah no i meant i'm yeah yeah <laughs> I guess that is marginally comforting, but I don't know how comforting. <laughs> like, I, I played NetHack for on and off for like five years before I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I guess since it's been 10 years that you've been working on Catacomb Kids, then that's that's enough time for people to get good enough to finish it. Well, I just need to make sure that the next area is twice as hard as the first 10 years were. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It's a uh, what that scene from Inception where he um he's like draw a maze that takes me twice as long to finish as it did for you to draw it or something. Mm. Oh yeah. What do you think of uh my recommendation recently? Oh yes, Tyreek? <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Uh, you recommended uh the web comic A Better World, which I then read in like it's a complete comic. It's not it's not still still ongoing. Uh, it's fully done. And I read it in like 
three days, I want to say, something like that. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. So Excellent. Yeah. Uh, link in the show notes, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, link in the show notes. Uh, it wasn't, I don't know, like, it, 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 was, it stayed interesting the entire way through, which is a cool thing that I value in media. <laughs> like, I feel like at no point did it ever get to a point where it was just kind of like slogging along or whatever. Yeah, it's a, I love his art so much. I'm blinking on his last name, but the, the artist's first name is Harry. Mm. Uh, it's I like his shading a lot, and I love uh, his like robot design and things. Or like weird semi-robot creatures. Harry Bogosian. Harry Bogosian. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm not sure where to put the emphasis. Bogos... Bog... I think I've been reading it in my head as Bogsian, but Har- I... Bogosian. I guess it could be a... Haribagosian. Bogosian? Haribagosian. Anyway. Yes. Thank you for that recommendation. The other side... Sorry. We got really, really out there for a second. But the other side of recommendations is giving recommendations. And, like, it's one thing to, like, get a recommendation from, I don't know, a stranger or whoever. And, uh... And then end up liking it or whatever or not liking it. But I feel like it's another thing to be able to give somebody that you know well a recommendation and have them like it. It feels like it like strengthens the bond between between people to be like, I know you well enough to know that this thing that you might not know about, you would probably make your life more enjoyable if you knew about it. And yeah. then give them yeah. that. And then, you know, that's 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 a that's a good feeling. This is what we have now instead of, you know how like in caveman times we used to like write each other a song. Here, I wrote you this song. Nowadays we have, I recommend you this song. I think those are different. I think those both exist in both times. I feel like you can recommend someone a nice leaf. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that is a nice leaf. Do you, do you, remember, like, do you remember mixtapes? Yes. I know they exist. I've never been a recipient or creator of one. Yeah, yeah, they they were a they were a '90s thing. My sister made me several mixtapes, uh, and my car doesn't have an aux cable. An uh, '80s thing, yeah. So I I mostly listen to those uh, now that I drive. Yeah, mixtapes are like it's it's a whole bunch of song recommendations and also a physical object, so you can like gift wrap it and shit and hand it to somebody. It's pretty special. I I also love recommending things. I like. I'm a very uh, giving gifts person as a way of like showing affection to to friends and and loved ones. But I I my best friend is f- unable to accept recommendations. Uh, they hate recommendations viscerally, and so like they want to be able to accept recommendations. But if you give them a recommendation, they'll be like, no, 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 for anything, no matter how good the recommendation is. <laughs> uh, and so we have an agreed upon system where I have to become like a, a bit of like a fairy tale gremlin, like tricking recommendations into their life. <laughs> if I want to recommend something, I will sometimes just like either like buy, if it's like a book, I'll like buy them a copy and just slip it onto their shelf. Or like I will passively like mention it or have a tab open on my computer when they come over. So it's like. I'm not doing the the suggesting. Can you can you be like do the classic uh look what's that and point behind them and then they turn around and then there's the thing that you want them to see like behind them. <laughs> no, see cuz then I would be suggesting looking behind them. 
Uh, and so I would have to be like, whatever you do, don't look behind you. <laughs> An anti-recommendation. Whatever yeah. you do, don't read this book. <laughs> it's dangerous. Are we, uh, are we uh, ready for another topic? Sure. I think so. Uh, my topic is adding trinkets to other people's time capsules. I was just thinking it would be fun to like look up where people have d- buried their time capsules. You dig them up. And then you just add your own thing to it and you bury it again. <laughs> like you could add like a photo of your, your of yourself, like a selfie. Or you could add like, you could add, add a mixtape and, and introduce hot jams to the people of the future. Would you strive to stay within the time period of the time capsule? Like with regards to the possibility of things? Or would you want to like throw people off and make, make like somebody who opens it up in a hundred years think that they had like, microchips in 1936 or whatever i think it could go either way i think uh i think both would be fun both would be fun in different ways i'm trying to think if there's anything living you could put in uh that would survive uh a century egg (laughs) (laughs) does that count as living jim do you want to describe what you think a century egg is uh you bury your egg in a time capsule for a hundred years Mm-hmm. And it ferments, and then someone big digs it up and eats it. Yeah. What? Oh, that's great. I'm going to leave a can of cheese uh, to really just like extra sharp cheddar aged uh, in a time capsule. Yeah. Extra old. Tardigrades and stuff, but that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, make sure the tardigrades don't hear you say that, because they'll get mad. <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't even notice that they were in there. They're just hanging out. Yeah. Is a is a terrarium a time capsule of sorts or is it just a different time line? It's not frozen in time. It's just like isolated for time. I mean, do you have to is a terrarium like one of the rules of a terrarium that you can't open it? For a certain type of terrarium. I guess it's not all terrariums, but like, it's like people pig, do a seal piggy bank where like if you want to get the tardigrades out, you have to smash it on the floor. <laughs> There's like sealed jar terrariums where they there are like the only thing coming in is sunlight, and they they're oh. just like a closed water system. Right, they're right. very beautiful and cool. That's really and there's stuff alive in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited oh, wow. to, that you didn't. Yeah, I remember seeing. I remember seeing this like in the Sharper Image catalog or something. You could get, and they would ship it to you. It was just like a glass ball filled with water, and you keep it in the sun, and like some sort of algae and like sea monkeys grow or alive in there. And they said it would, they would, the ecosystem could survive isolated for five years. Oh, wow. There's, there's some homemade ones that are kind of more visually interesting than some of those and like some, some longer ones. Like people, I know there's, there's this one guy who has been making them uh, in England since like the 60s and uh, has this like huge big glass ball that's like bigger than he is. Uh, and, um, it's just like continuing to grow inside and there's animals in there too. There's like uh, small insects and um, centipedes and things that live within the closed, like closed ecosystem. Super cool. Yeah. Cause I, I always assumed that a terrarium was basically just like, uh, like, yeah, like, like a tiny little environment, but like, I, you know, you got to open it up and water it and stuff like that. Or, you know, uh, swap out the moss every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I- it's hard to do because I tried to do this in like middle school, but like you can get it. So it's a balanced ecosystem. So like 
there's enough things that are exchanging uh are are producing carbon dioxide and things that are taking in carbon dioxide and producing oxygen and like the water if it's not if there's nowhere that like the seal is broken then it's like a, a closed amount of water for that time and things it's red yeah some of them have like clouds in them and things like it it, it rains on the terrarium denizens ecosystem in a bottle i'm trying to find the the good the good picks yeah this is the guy <laughs> there's um this wholesome man with his 40 year old bottle ecosystem i think i'm looking at the same picture on google images he looks uh he's like sort of semi-hugging it yeah <laughs> yeah oh wow i like this guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like your description of him being a very wholesome man <laughs> i don't know about this jar though it looks gross <laughs> well how big are time capsules usually Wow. Because right. I'm thinking if I found one that's like big enough to hold like a person or something, I would open it up and then put a bunch of scratches on the inside against the door and then put a mannequin inside. <laughs> Is the implication that the man, like a person turned into a mannequin or the mannequin was alive and died? I, either one of them I would be happy with. I, if anybody makes either of those conclusions, I think that would be a, a win. Wow. Like there's some <laughs> advanced level of like, mummification where you become a mannequin <laughs> yes exactly it's like my god all the insides have been plastified i'm looking up time capsule box to try and find like yeah what the standard I found, size uh, is. I found a the wikipedia page for the westinghouse time capsules which looked to be about the size of a phone booth wow oh, that's pretty big have either of you ever buried a time capsule i definitely have as part of like a school project and then i Stopped going to that school and forgot about it entirely, and probably they did too. So it's just in the ground now. I think I think the synagogue that I went to growing up has one in its wall. I don't remember like when it's for. I've never been there for one being opened. I've only been in there for like ones being put in. Right. I've never participated in either uh, end of the time capsule, but I've always found them fascinating. You could start today. I guess so. <laughs> Just get a bunch of stuff, put it in a box and bury it. Yeah. It's not littering if you plan to dig it up at some point. Right. Or if you leave instructions for it to be dug up. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like that distinction of what makes littering and not littering. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to leave a map to this trash I left in the forest for somebody to find. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm putting it in my will that this pile of trash <laughs> belongs to my... So to my grandson. I love that yeah. concept of a loophole. And like, uh, there's a couple of places where they do the law that's like, it, companies are responsible for if their packaging is left as litter. And I like the mm -hmm. idea that like a company would put on their packaging, like whatever this is in this, if it's on the ground, it becomes a time capsule and you can't <laughs> move it for this many years. <laughs> I imagine like a corporate lawyer just like, in awe of their own loophole, just like so stoked to have thought of this. <laughs> like, we did it, boys. <laughs> According to this, the Apollo 11 goodwill messages, which were left on the moon on a disc about the size of a 50, 50 cent piece made of silicon. Oh, gosh. Do they still know where it is? I don't know. It seems so small. It's tiny. And also, we're never going back to the moon, so... We're going back to the moon. We're doing it right now, right? Yeah, it was like, isn't there, wasn't there a recent? It seems optimistic. I, 
But uh, I might not be up on the news because I haven't looked at any sort of media in uh, like four months or something. But didn't we have the like Artemis one test launch? And then like there there's a planned uh, like a manned mission like fairly soon. Artemis one. I feel like I vaguely read something about that, too, but I didn't look very hard at it. I watched the launch for the Artemis one. And that was like there is like seats in it, but not. And there's dummies in the seats. Oh, interesting. I did not know about this. Yeah, and it's it's a whole set, I think, of like three missions that are planned uh, to, to go to the moon. The Artemis program is de- intends to reestablish a human presence on the moon for the first time since Apollo 17 mission in 1972. First flight, November 15th, 2022. Last flight, 2028 is apparently the plan. Yeah. So someone's going to be looking for a quarter-sized piece of time capsule yeah yeah we went back up there to get the goodwill messages back yeah yeah i like i like the idea of opening up like the geocache app and like checking the moon you know (laughs) (laughs) is it still geo if it's on the moon luno cache it's not like a terra cache it's it's just like geo is just maps right yeah yeah and people have mapped the moon so yeah celestial cache yeah well, that's good. Geo like is that. is a Greek for Earth, though. Oh, right. But, okay, but people might still use it that way, though. Yeah, I like celestial cash. Celestial <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I re- I really like the idea of like messing with the artifacts of history and people, like future people's perception of 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 the past and of time and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, this was actually this was one of our first topics. Come to think of it. Oh, was it? Yeah, this was um, uh, JP's topic in episode two. How much work would it take to insert a completely fictional person into the historical record? Was this one of the first topics or did you add it, Jim? Yeah, <laughs> this this Google Sheet can be, is editable by hundreds of, uh, not hundreds, but over a hundred people now. Yeah. Anybody How much effort could have would it take it. to insert a completely fictional topic into the historical record? I, I yeah. was trying to figure that out actually today because in preparation for this episode i was looking up the history of web comics and i they're on wikipedia there's a listing for like the first web comic as being uh like witches and stitches by this guy and like i have found so many references to that but they're all like just the same phrasing and i cannot find anywhere where you can view this comic is it just not archived well or did someone futz with the books on this yeah, past is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently posted on co-host about um, the time I saw somebody just change a bunch of movie running times on Wikipedia by a couple of minutes. Oh, I saw you mention that. <laughs> yeah, and like, like you can't use the heuristic. Like, what does this person have to gain from from lying on the internet? When a lot of the time, what people have to gain is just like they're just doing it for shits and giggles. And this got. A lot of a lot of discourse happened around this uh, around this post on co-host the chost as the kids call it. <laughs> a lot of it was like people talking about the ways that they defaced Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> like my favorite example, uh, and this is this was something that was talked about on uh, on important if true the podcast that inspired this podcast. Somebody wrote in saying that they had added uh to the Paris Hilton movie horror movie from like 2005 
House of Wax. They added uh, alternate wax title House Baby. Wax House Baby, uh, and then added a, a like a fictional like quote from Joel Silver at the bottom of the page as a citation in the move in the from the magazine Cine Action, uh, and with a, with an issue number, like assuming that no one would ever actually look up this this issue of the magazine to see if it was really in there. Um, and as a result, like, like hundreds of fan sites used this, this little factoid as included it as like, Oh yeah, this is an alternate title. Wax house, baby. Like it's still on IMDB and it's, it just is now, uh, it, it, it still would be a, a fact about the world, except that the editors on Wikipedia heard about this, podcast episode where someone admitted to this falsification and have now purged it from their records <laughs> uh but it's still everywhere else on the internet oh wow and like any anybody could could then go add it to wikipedia again citing the records that are elsewhere on the internet yeah it reminds me of, of of um like paper towns and paper streets and that sort of thing sure yeah like 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 uh intentionally non-existent locations that people will add to maps to prevent them from being copy copied because if you copy them and and also copy the fake location the original map creator can just be like hey they copied my map you can tell because this place doesn't actually exist but they said it did just like i did right (laughs) except that like in the past 10 years people moved there and since the place is called you know Chostville on the map. <laughs> that's what they. That's what they called their 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 town. Yeah, uh, you yeah. just can't trust reality anymore. <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> uh, are we ready for another topic? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, for this topic, we're going to be reading the poem. Uh, so it's a poem that's an excerpt from the book "A Psalm for the Wild Built" uh, by. I had this a second ago. Becky Chambers. Becky Chambers. Thank you. Yes. Uh, who would like to read this poem, or or shall I read it? Uh, I'll read it. Okay. You keep asking why your work is not enough, and I do not know how to answer that, because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. You don't need to justify that or earn it. You are allowed to just live. That is all most animals do. Yeah, and this is something I think, especially in the age of trying to monetize all your hobbies, this is something I think everybody needs to be reminded of, including me. Yeah. Although I have been like recently trying to reframe like the work that I do. Like when I when I um when I make this podcast, I, I've trying to been I've kind of been reframing it in my head away from like I'm making content for an audience and more towards like I am like reaching out to people to uh, to make a human connection. Yeah. And similarly, like when I uh, made that um, Christmas card slash game and I sent it to my friends, that was a that was me like trying to make a human connection through my art, and not just like, hey, I'm I'm putting out content for my audience. Please buy my my other games. Yeah, right. yeah. When I dig up time uh, capsules and modify them, you know, yeah. I'm not doing that for publicity of anything. I just <laughs> no one's paying just a you human to do connection. It. <laughs> yeah, but they should. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like this a lot. Uh and um yeah, it's it's this this is this is like a a a train of thought that that's been on my mind recently as well, but I think from like maybe a different angle from you, Jim, like like I definitely agree that like, you know, not everything has to be done like for content or that sort of thing. But um 
economy and that sort of thing. Like I feel like like you know so many so much of the world and and, and everything is like based around like oh what what is this industry providing? What is this what you know what what is the point? Like ah like okay a little frustrating having a conversation with my roommate a while ago and he mentioned something along the lines of like, Oh, you know, all these, all these other countries, you know, yeah. Like Norway and uh, Denmark and whatever, like, Oh, they, they might have, you know, you know, all these, all these policies that, you know, are, are, uh, keep their people healthy and happy, but what do they produce? <laughs> and I'm like, that's what an irritating question. Yeah. Like why, why? <laughs> yeah. That, that is that, like, that is the, the purpose of civilization. Yeah. Is to, to to make the people in it happy and healthy, right? Yeah, like you, like what what's the point of if you're optimized for production if you can't actually just live and enjoy life and enjoy living? Like like the idea that every moment and and uh, the idea that society itself has to be geared around production and progress is just like. So it's, it's like like an itch on my brain that that's how so many people approach like the world and existence and just like well what 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 are we what are we making this progress for if not to just Mm. live if not like like what's the point of all this of all this technological progress if it isn't intended to make life easier and make fewer people suffer so i think a lot of this comes from well so so up until like i don't know probably 2000 as long as people could remember, as long as they were alive, technological progress made their lives better, mm. like hmm. me- like noticeably, measurably so. It just became axiomatic. Mm. Like this is how you make human lives better. I don't know that that's true. I I don't know. I I question that in terms of like industrial revolution times. Like yeah, but that was before people. Like when I say as long as people could remember, I mean like. Like the, even the oldest person in 1980 is not going to remember the Industrial Revolution. I guess I I feel like technology makes a certain segment of the lives better, and then it it kind of hides the discomfort of. I think a lot of our our current definition of technology has to do with like distancing ourselves from the work, mm-hmm. and I think there's there's a real thing that's like getting automating work and and making it. Uh, so, you know, there's there's less danger for people and things. But I think a lot of it has to do with just hiding the work. I think there's a lot of things where, you know, it's something made in a factory far away. And theoretically, like, I think a lot of people have a very intentionally altered view of uh, how automated uh, clothing production is. Oh, interesting. Like, I think there's many more hands involved than what a lot of Americans might guess. And I think that's an yeah. aspect of what we think of technology as being. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe I should say it made American lives better. <laughs> or wealthier Americans' lives better. Yeah, the ones, the ones who, who, have, who, who shape what the rest of us think and are in charge mm. and make the decisions. Mm-hmm. If anybody rec- wants a recommendation, uh, I like Becky Chambers' books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you mm-hmm. said you, you read this book. Uh, would like... Like what? What's the context for this? It was a minute since I read it, but uh, if I recall correctly, it's basically about a person who starts who's, who's basically like like trying to find meaning in their life. Like they keep like jumping from they did like one job and they were like ah oh, this isn't satisfying enough, and then they did another job and then they found it fulfilling for a while, and then just kind of like wandered off one day and uh, encounter a uh, sentient robot who everybody thought 
doesn't exist anymore. Like they vanished a long time ago, and they were like, "No, we still exist." Uh, but uh, we haven't since we haven't interacted in a while. I like I am going to be an ambassador to humanity on behalf of the ro- you know us robots. And so this uh, this person who's like looking for meaning, and then this robot basically just kind of go on a journey together. Yeah, interacting in meaningful ways and uh, learning about the world around them and that sort of thing. That sounds great. That does sound good. Yeah, I like I like Becky Chambers' uh, uh, books a lot because they all they're it's so easy to be cynical nowadays, and I feel myself falling into that mindset a lot more frequently. And her books mm. are kind of a a little bit of a cure to that for me in terms of just being very generally wholesome, not without conflict, but cozy books about like you know, generally like like sci-fi like uh you know possible futures and and that sort of thing uh with yeah like like without like you know adrenaline <laughs> is the term i keep looking for <laughs> it's like with, without like without really many like high adrenaline moments of just like oh you know somebody's gonna die or like you know there's like you know uh or like you know like very stressful situations and that sort of thing it's like there's stressful situations and there's conflict but it's it's it tends to be on a very human level and everybody tends to be just kind of trying to do their best now i want to ask people who have like a high octane like high performance car like how much anxiety does your car have (laughs) i just couldn't think of the word uh uh, adrenaline (laughs) yeah those sound very good it's it's very easy to slip into like overly cynical uh kind of spaces where maybe sincerity isn't like i think our current world makes it hard to sit with sincerity sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's nice to just get some of that yeah and that's all the time we have for topic lords Woo! Uh, max if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet uh they can find me at uh cohost.org let me let me double check my own url real quick i'm at max on cohost uh m-a-x-x I just verified this. <laughs> I can I can vouch for your URL. Yeah, uh, I don't think I posted anything yet, but I hey, you you shared experience. one of the you shared the last topic lords episode you were on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find out what topic lords episodes I'm on into the future uh, on co-host. Uh, you can also email me. I'm uh, max infinity at gmail That's m a x x infinity. And Tyreek, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am at Forbit Friday on Twitter and co-host and Mastodon. I haven't posted anything on co-host yet, but I occasionally post stuff on Mastodon. And I also have my album that you can listen to at errorwithanf.com. 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 It's a really solid album. It's a really solid album. I recommend the specific name. track, uh, Salvage. Oh, that's also my favorite track. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Jim. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics, 
with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.